Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joe Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. What a weekend of March Madness, and now the Final Four is coming up next weekend, so make sure you head to betonline.ag because they got you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best place to be when you want to place your bets, and guess what? It's free to sign up. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This baseball week's off to a great start. Opening day is coming up on Thursday right now. So what better way to start off the week than have a baseball fantasy preview pod? This is the second annual, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming back. If you came to the first round, we're back right now. We got two great guest panelists on with us today. First of all, resident guest, Mike Choi. Hello, Mike. Joey, this is like sleeping with the enemy where we're sharing our strategies before we're all drafting in the same league tomorrow. Schadenfreude is happening right now on this pod. We are going to be very deceptive. Coming up next, he was here last year dropping the nuggets and bringing the knowledge. He's back again once more. It's Matt Haley. What's up, Matt? Not much. Thanks for having me, Joey. More importantly, thank you for giving me an excuse to not help my friend move this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And the the work that he put in bringing up that ottoman when he moved you into your place. Uh, It's still on the board. Gentlemen, baseball is in the air, so it's time to talk fantasy baseball drafts. We're releasing this pod on a Monday, but lo and behold, this very weekend, we're recording it on a Friday, and we are all in a fantasy league together. And the fun part is, you know, typically you're trying to all be all around the board. Everyone can pick from different spots, but right now we are 8, 9, 10 in our 10-team league. What's it like to be sandwiched right now? We are going to have to be very deft with how we disseminate our information in this army. This this is amazing because I'm still trying to figure out what nuggets of info I want to relay on this podcast and what I want to keep for my own. So um, there's definitely going to be pretty much every round an element of, well, you stole that player from me and, oh, I was about to pick that guy before you did. So it's going to be fun and it's going to be frustrating for sure. Keep the people in mind first. We're giving the knowledge to the people first. Give us all of your secrets. (laughs) Matt, I do want to ask you in terms of baseball fantasy, I believe you're in the eight or nine spot with your draft right now. In some leagues, you know, in basketball, it's like you really want to be in that top five, right? Or else it gets to kind of starts to get a little hairy in football. Personally, I kind of like being the snake. I like the quantity over maybe necessarily the high end quality in the back end of a first round for a baseball draft. Is that where you like to be? Or you like you have your pickings at the top elite pieces? I really love coming around the bend. You're going to end up with two really great pieces. If you end up with a pitcher and a hitter or two top tier bats, not, a, you know, you don't have to worry about Yelich. A lot of people picked him first round last first overall last year. And he had an absolutely terrible year. And he just one bad pick can ruin your draft up top. Well, yeah. And what Acuna too last year as well, I think was a top three. And he's in a lot of boards, top two, top three. Again, you know, he got hurt early on, never really was able to come back. Even a guy like Mike Trout. Sometimes, you know, you cast your whole lot on Mike Trout. The dude every once in a while does get hurt from time to time. And you really have to be careful with that. So sometimes it's nice to build up on that depth on the back end. Mike, hop in. Well, you know, for me, especially with fantasy baseball, unlike fantasy football and to some degree fantasy basketball, I really do think that um, 
you know, it's so volatile week to week, right? Where in fantasy football, fantasy basketball, outside of injuries, those guys are going to produce every given week. And while in baseball, the end of the year totals will pan out to, to kind of reflect the superstar, you never know what they're going to do in that week. You know, we play in a weekly locked format. So, you know, invariably, you know, a guy like Mike Trout might go, you know, 0 for 4 in three games, 1 for 3 in three games. You know, a guy like Garrett Cole might get rocked in his one start in the week. So I think because of that, you know, for me, my philosophy in fantasy baseball is go after the guys you like because from a week-to-week standpoint, you're never quite sure how they're going to produce. Obviously, the top-tier guys are going to hopefully produce top-tier numbers, but it's so volatile that, like, my my overall philosophy is go after the guys you like as opposed to go after the guys you draft. You can kind of get the guys you want in fantasy baseball through your heart more so than the other sports because, you know, kind of like Kevin Costner in draft day, you know, if you want Vontae Mack, go get Vontae Mack no matter what. Get that tall stack of pancakes. Yeah, it's kind of my favorite part about fantasy baseball, honestly, is you do have to kind of construct a true team. Very similar to basketball as well, where you can't always have just one guy that does one thing. You can't load your team up with guys that are just going to be streaky one week and then streaky the next week. You're going to be up and down all season long. You got to have the guys that do things consistently, even though they're not maybe putting up the most eye-popping numbers in the world. You do want to have some guys that can keep keep the boat afloat a little bit. You know, we're going to get into like guys like Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson's a perfect example, right? He's got seven home runs in the spring right now. He could easily come out and have a great first month of April and then, you know, crash back down to earth in May, a la Frank Sinatra. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> that, yeah, that's what you really got to look for. And that's what we're going to be trying to help people out with today, trying to find values that we like. I'm just trying to assess the guys that are being ranked on all these expert sites that you are trusting for information. You know, are these the correct kind of rankings or maybe do we maybe smell some sleeper value or maybe do we smell some guys that are overrated? You know, let's go to the first round, end of the first round. There's two guys here that always sort of seem to be ending up on the bottom half of these first round lists. I sometimes see these guys slip into the second round a little bit. One guy, MVP type candidate, had a down year, bounced back. He's a little up and down. Another guy that sort of just kind of under the radar keeps putting up numbers. I'm talking about Jose Ramirez and the Indians, Trevor Story on the Colorado Rockies. Just in terms of the end of the first round for this year alone, which one do you think maybe has the best value right now? Which one could you probably hang your hat on? Or are you maybe door number three? You don't really like the value on either of these guys this high up in the draft. I honestly, I love Jose Ramirez. Um, I think in 2019 or 2018, uh, he had around 40 home runs, 100 RBIs, 30 stolen bases, and 110 runs. His numbers weren't as good in 2019, but he missed some time due to injury. And in 2020, he, again, he had a great season. Who knows how much you can put into 2020 for anybody, but 17 home runs, 45 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, and led the league in runs. So. Uh, and he also, you know, he batted 290 last year. I know he's had a couple of years where he's a little low, but if you're not going to get one of those top five guys, I, I love Ramirez. And uh, story's great, but, you know, he gets the Coors Light, or Coors Light stats, Coors Field stats. <laughs> That's a great uh, stat. <laughs> yeah, once the mountains are blue, the home runs start flying out. <laughs> you know, no, no more Arenado. The only thing he might beat uh, Ramirez in is stolen bases and, who knows with stolen bases, if that's even worth it down the road. Yeah. That's the thing with Trevor's story, right? Is you just don't want to walk out of the first round and come home and everyone's just like, who'd you get in the first round? 
and you're like, I got Trevor's story. And they go, okay. You know what I mean? Okay. There's no, there's yeah, no, no, there's no, no, no nobody's like, Oh, good pick. Good pick. When Trevor's story, yeah, no high fives, no pats on the back. There's no, uh, there's no real enthusiasm for it. And that's why I always sort of feel like he kind of slides the back in that first round gets in the early second round. Yeah. You're right. in Ramirez, right. In 2019, he had one of those years where if you drafted him in the first round, you hated him. But in the second round, he put up the numbers that I think that we all expect that made him a first-round value. Matt, you brought up a really good point. I want to hear from both of you. We're going to go to Mike first on this one, though. How much stock, when you're making your assessments of value this year in fantasy, how much stock are you putting in that 2020 season that was unprecedented, shortened, only 60 games? You know, the numbers on the back of the baseball card for some of these players does not look like previous years at all. You know, this could be a great, uh, you know, this could be a fertile place for you to find some great value, but how much stock are you putting in 2020 numbers? You know, not too much because again, it's, just, it's so screwy, right? Right. It was, uh, what was it? Roughly about 60 games. So in that stretch, any given player, as, as we've seen through the history of baseball can get super hot for a one month stretch, a two month stretch, but they can't sustain that through the course of an entire season. So I don't personally put too much stock into last year, other than the kind of gauge what those year long projections might be, but who's to say, you know, and I think the thing that we really, really need to discuss first um, is that you really have to know the format you're playing. I think we need to discuss that right in, in our case, it's roto format versus head to head format, which are two completely different things. It's very similar to like when you play PPR fantasy football against, you know, traditional uh, scoring formats where you don't get points for reception. Right. Whereas like in that league, Tarek Cohn in a PPR league is like pretty valuable in a non PPR Tarek Cohn is worth shit. Right. So you really have to know in that sense, what type of league you're playing in. And in my case for head to head, that kind of skews heavier towards the pitcher, in my opinion, whereas like in Roto, you know, you kind of want a little bit more on the batting side. And plus on the batting side, you have to kind of find your specialist because you need to kind of win stolen bases or punt stolen bases or any of these other categories. You don't have to worry about specialists and head to head. It's just overall points. So, and you know, let's one, be honest, head to head's better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because it, it's the it's the sludge of waiting an entire season to see how you do in a roto format, whereas like just like I think the reason they've kind of or at least a lot of leagues has switched to head to head is that it wants to kind of emulate that fantasy football matchup where, you know, if you've won or lost at the end of the week, and that just makes it much more, uh, you know, exciting, especially in baseball, traditionally outside of last year. I mean, we're talking about like a six month season. So you don't want to wait six months to see how you ultimately stack up. So, but and to your you overall question, trash talk, sorry, sorry. To yeah, exactly. No, no, right, right, talk. right. So, but, you know, both to your point and, you know, uh, Matt kind of mentioned earlier, I, I, you can't, put too much stock into last year because it was such an extreme, extreme situation. Um, and just real quickly, I completely agree with Matt as well. Like Jose Ramirez has been one of the better fantasy players the last five years, whereas Trevor Story, although he's, you know, he's one of those rare 30-30 guys. Um, and I think we'll probably discuss this a little bit later. Shortstop is so stacked this year. Where, so like, deep. You can go 12, you can go to the 12th guy in, which is roughly Javi Baez territory. And I'd be perfectly happy with Javi Baez as my starting shortstop. Yeah. And even if you wait later to a guy like DD Gregorius, I'm not going to shake my head at that either because you mm -hmm. got to fill up these spots in your lineup. Matt, I do want you to weigh in real quick, just in terms of the 2020 season, in your opinion, is that something that you're looking at trend wise or for a draft expert, is this opportunity waiting based on some of these rankings? I think it's kind of player to player, you know, if like somebody finished 2019 and then built on it in 2020, that's something to look at. Whereas 
if you're a Javi Baez or a JD Martinez and you just had a dip out of nowhere, a lot of different rules, you know, last year. So I think it's it's player to player, you know. So some people I put some value, a lot of value into it, and some players I put no value into it. Yeah, and especially for a lot of people, oh, I don't know, on the Chicago Cubs. I think we're going to try and put as little value in it as possible we can to save our little hearts possibly going through into the season. Let's move on to the next one. I always just find this one really interesting. Mike, we're going to go to you on this. You know, let's go to round two, early round three area. Maybe you took that starter in the first round. You do want to find that linchpin, that cornerstone of your offensive lineup. I want to talk about Alex Bregman and Nolan Arenado. You know, Alex Bregman, MVP type candidate. You know, guy that maybe didn't play super great during that 2020 season, the guy that was down just a little bit. So he lost a couple of ranking spots based off of that. And then Nolan Arenado, a guy who's coming over from, you know, the Coors Field, Coors Light, the Mountain Blues. He's coming over to St. Louis now. You know, Mike, how do you see this one right now? Would you pounce on a guy like Bregman or would you maybe wait a couple of picks for that guy like Nolan Arenado and not lose anything value wise? Well, this is pretty interesting, right? Because now we're talking about looking at the third base position specifically. So you don't have to worry, you know, how, how do these guys correlate cross positionally, which actually brings me to another solid point that everyone needs to remember. Every league that you play in, you know, whether it's ESPN, in our case, we're playing on RT Sports, know your position eligibility in that league because they're not all the same. So for instance, um, you know, in most leagues, and I haven't actually checked what Bregman's eligibility is in RT sports, but Bregman is usually shortstop and third base eligible. I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. So that gives him a little bit more flexibility where you'd kind of want to go his way because he has a little bit more position flexibility, whereas Arenado only has third base uh, uh, eligibility. Um, but overall, you know, I, I, I tend to go Bregman only because, you know, both these guys are pretty much locked for 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, and, you know, an average around 280 or better. You know, uh, Arenado is a little bit better, but who's to say if that's the, you know, the Coors Field effect? Although I will say his numbers outside of Coors Field is pretty comparable to his numbers at Coors Field. So, you know, uh, the switch to the Cardinals, you know, might not be as drastic as we think, but until I really see that he can do it away from Coors Field, you know, that, you know, 150 games of the year uh, away from Coors Field, I'm, I'm, I'm probably leaning a little bit more towards Bregman and also because of the uh, multiple position eligibility. Yeah, the reason why I brought these two guys up because, you know, let's just go to, you know, fantasypros.com has their third basemans listed as follows. Ramirez, as we mentioned earlier, Manny Machado, Anthony Rendon, Rafael Devers, DJ LeMahieu, Alex Bregman, Nolan Arenado. After that point, there are six or seven. After that point, Eugenio Suarez, Yohan Mankata. I feel like that there is not a huge drop-off, but there's a drop-off, right? And that's kind of uh, sort of the decision uh, that you have to make as a fantasy owner. So, Matt, you know, Bregman or Nolan Arenado, you know, Bregman on Fantasy Pros does get third-base shortstop. Is that enough to give him the edge there? Or do you kind of like Nolan Arenado in a new space, in a new place? Sometimes those St. Louis Cardinals, they put on those uniforms, they get better all of a sudden. Uh, we talked about how deep shortstop was earlier, so I don't think – anybody's really drafting Bregman to play him at shortstop. So the, 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 the added value there is minimal. You know, if it was second base, third base, you know, it'd be a different story. DJ LeMahieu's the, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he exactly. plays every position and the play-by-play announcer and the usher. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I just think Arenado puts up like so ridiculous numbers. If you ignore 2020, like his five-year averages, it's like 40 homers, 120 bombs, 
100 runs, 300 batting average, and Trevor Story's been in the my, the major leagues for five years, so you can't really compare their numbers in terms of total output. And I, I just, I mean, yeah, it's no longer Coors Field, but I still think Arenado is going to produce at a pretty elite level. A pretty elite level. Yeah, he's a great player. I don't think you should be upset if he ends up on your fantasy team because, again, I think after that part, there's a bit of a drop-off from the third base perspective. I might give Bregman just a slight, slight, slight edge because I do have questions about the Cardinals' offense. So, you know, RBI-type situations, maybe those opportunities where, you know, Arenado's, you know, he's been in top five in RBIs in seasons past before. I guess I maybe would have a question from that particular perspective. Let's get into something a little bit more divisive, a little bit more either or here. It's Jose Abreu, 29th overall ranked on Fantasy Pros versus Pete Alonso, 47th overall ranked. Now, these guys are going in two different directions, right? A little background for me personally on Jose Abreu. One of my favorite players to draft in fantasy baseball of all time, right? Because he's been undervalued for years and years and years. He's what, like the 10th, 11th, 12th first baseman on the list every year. And the dude, oh, I don't know. He just hits 30 bombs and punches in 100 RBIs every year. Now the dude wins the MVP in a shortened season, in a 2020 season. Puts up more RBIs than games that he actually played and jumps to 29th. Meanwhile, Pete Alonso, 2019, it's bomb after bomb after bomb. He has a down year in 2020. He moves all the way down to 47. So, Matt, we're going to start with you. What say you? What value do you like more between these two players? You know this is a Chicago podcast, so I'm <laughs> going to say it's a Brayu. But it's kind of one of those things. It's what you value or what you need, maybe. If, if you take Freddie Freeman in the first round, you know, you can take a little bit of risk with uh, Alonzo's batting average. But if you, you know, if you need to keep a solid bat batting average going, it's a Brayu. I mean, Alonzo, he dropped, what, 50-something bombs in 2019, like 16 last year. So the guy definitely has some pop in his bat. It's just are you willing to sacrifice the batting average? Whereas Abreu keep, keep you around 300. They're both going to, you know, hit for power, get RBIs, but home runs are average pretty much is the discussion here. Follow up on that. And I'm going to put you to the coals on this one. Your feet are getting hot. You got to answer this one. Honestly, Jose Abreu at 29th overall overrated, underrated, properly rated uh somebody who i think i got him in like the fifth round last year and was very very happy with that performance i don't love it but because i think the white Sox lineup is so stacked and all that guy does is produce in clutch situations he might be 38 he might be 34 i don't really know but <laughs> he he can as long as he continues to produce uh i'll keep betting on him mike what say you man jose abreu versus pete alonzo which value do you like more and real quick off the top jose abreu overrated underrated properly rated well, first of all, kudos to Matt for stealing my joke right underneath me because I was I, this is this is going to be indicative of our drafting tomorrow where I was about to make the joke he's thirty four but you he's know he's Cuban jokes. he's Cuban so he could be forty actually so uh, but yeah you know the interesting thing is um, this is really conflicting to me because I have one of two strategies if all things are equal I will tend to go with a Chicago player. Conversely, if all things are equal, I will tend to go with the guy who has a lower ADP so I can grab the value from him. So this is really like, you know, conflicting with my 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 drafting philosophies. You know, to your question, Joey, um, 
you know, unlike years past, you know, the, the bandwagon train for the Chicago White Sox is fully here. Everyone's coming aboard, right? So you are going to have to pay a premium for Chicago White Sox. Um, specifically, I can think of Tim Anderson, where in years past, I've gotten him like in the, you know, the 200s in terms of picks. And now, you know, yeah, he's a he's top right next to like 50 Mi- player, right? He's right next to like Micah Owings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. what's going on here? And, and so here's the thing, you know, he's the reigning MVP. He's an offense machine. Like we said, you know, joked about regardless of what his age is, he's 34. So he's probably starting to get to the, the downswing of his career. I still expect one more, if not a couple more elite years out of him. In terms of Alonzo, um, the interesting thing is that team is a lot better. They added a lot of pieces. You know, they added guys like Francisco Lindor. I think they're actually like one of the favorites to win the World Series. I think they have the seventh best odds right now to win the World Series. So, you know, if you kind of think about what he can do with a better lineup around him, theoretically, his numbers are only going to get better. So, you know, overall, I I hope to grab one or two White Sox, but because of the high price, I'm going to fade probably a lot of White Sox. And in this case, unfortunately, I have to contradict myself and not go with my heart and probably go with the draft value. And I probably would prefer Alonzo in, in this specific case. Yeah. Just pit it against them. Cause they're in this particular part of where they're ranked overall. This is kind of a trick question because I don't like either of the value. I got, I have to be honest with you, oh. Matt, you, Matt, you hit it right on the head with Pete Alonzo at 47. The Duke could hit 50 bombs, but the K's the strikeouts and the batting average are just going to sink you. And at 47 in the fourth round, that's like one of the linchpins of your team. You could either be taking still a number two starter in that spot, or you could be finding, you know, one of the best outfielders still on the market at that point. You could be dipping into the upper echelon of the shortstop. And Jose Abreu, I love the guy to death, but 29th overall. Of all the White Sox that I'm probably targeting this year, that's probably the guy that I'm just not going to go after just because I don't like that value, man. I don't, he's going to put up the same numbers that I've been getting on my fantasy teams the last couple of years, but I've been getting that at eighth, seventh, eighth round prices. And now I'm getting it at second and third round. And that's what kind of bothers me a little bit. There's another first baseman on the other side of town whose value that I like a yes. whole lot, which we'll get yes. to in a couple of rounds. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Totally but, agree. It, it's, it's, it's like year to year, you know, it's like, I love, do you love the player? Or do you love the value? And you need to focus on the value because you can, se- if you can separate the two, you'll be ahead of the curve. on most. Great yeah. point, man. And, and look, they're, point. and they're both good players. And Jose Abreu is awesome. And I'm with you. He could still drive in 120 runs. And that would actually probably fulfill the promise of where he's at on this board right now. But just in terms of the sure thing, the consistent thing, I'm probably, I'm probably going to fade Jose Abreu in that particular situation. You mentioned Tim Anderson. Let's hop into it real quick. Tim Anderson, 40th overall, 40th overall. He's also, by the way, I believe 33 to one to win the AL MVP at betonline.ag. Just saying, if you want to get a little something on that piece right there, that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, Tim Anderson, 40th overall. We're going to go up against Glaber Torres, 56th overall on fantasypros.com. You know, Tim Anderson, the arrow's pointing up. Glaber Torres has been fighting injuries. Maybe the t- arrow is pointing a little sideways. Mike, we're going to go to you first, man. What, what value do you like? And talk a little bit about Tim Anderson being 40th overall. Are you willing to go that high up to get him? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, you made a great point that we're always searching for value, value, value. We're, we're, we're the fantasy equivalent of Moneyball, right? This is, this is what the Oakland A's did. This is what Billy Bean did, right? How, how do we replace one guy with three guys and keep that value? So that's basically what fantasy 
fantasy sports is all about. Um, in terms of Tim Anderson, you know, obviously last year he proved it's a short, short, small sample size, but he proved that 2019 was not a fluke. And I think this is only indicative of what his performance will be in the years to come. Uh, conversely, in terms of Torres, we, we don't know if 2019 and his 38 home runs how fluky or not that was right that you know it's unfortunately that's the kind of thing where he still needs to prove himself so in that case um you know it's so close that if i had to go between the two i think both in terms of overall value and being a white sock in this case a chicago player i i I totally totally am leaning towards tim anderson yeah that's a good call the only thing i will say the counter of what you just said with gliver torah is because you were correct the only thing that isn't a fluke is the dimensions of yankee stadium and that's the only thing that could possibly mm-hmm. maybe give him that ability to get back to the place where what he can hit 30 to 35 home runs in a season. What say you, Matt, Tim Anderson versus Glaber Torres? Again, it's like, it goes back to what you need at that time. Uh, you know, I think Torres will give you a little more power, a little more RBIs and also what your league rules are, because I know at least on Yahoo, Torres is eligible at second base and, Anderson is not so second base is pretty scarce so you might want to and as again we talked about how deep shortstop is again so yeah and if, that, if they give them that category Torres at second base all of a sudden you know what maybe him and Kettle Marte are all of a sudden maybe the best offensive weapons that you could probably get for that particular position and second base is kind of that weird it's getting, it's become the tight end right I know catchers kind of a bit of the tight end in football of like I gotta find this guy like Wait till later. You know, the second baseman and catchers have kind of turned into kickers. I'll tell you something right now. I want to go on the record, man. Tim Anderson at 40 is really good value to me. I'll be Ooh. honest with you. I, 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 I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm buying the vibes. You know, he starts off as that 240 hitter, hits 335, and we've talked about in the past, you know, man, if he hits 290 the next year and dips back down, I'm not going to be upset. Oh, contrary, you know, he went, took it to another level again. You talk to more people that actually get a chance to be around him. The dude truly wants to be great. Yeah, the way he carries himself and at his, least the confidence he has. He's, and, and nuts he, and bolts on the field stuff. His play coverage right now is perhaps some of the best play coverage, I think, right now in the major leagues. You know, like when Rizzo chokes up on the bat, you know, he can he can fight stuff off and cut down on strikeouts. But there isn't a lot of weak spots in Tim Anderson's swing right now. My only question for taking him that high at 40th overall would be, can he put up the power numbers? Could he ever be the guy that pops the 25 to 28 home runs that I think he probably would need to get to probably, uh, you know, uh, justify 40th overall is, you know, fourth round in a 10 team league, you know, third round. If you're going to a 12 team league, Mike hop in. Well, and the other thing too, is right now he's projected a bat leadoff, correct? And so in, in fantasy baseball, it's, all about quantity so again that's to his advantage as well because when you're batting leadoff when you're batting second and maybe even you know batting third in the lineup that just means that that's that many more at bats that you're getting and in fantasy baseball at bats equate to more stats so right there again that kind of benefits him well in terms of fantasy baseball yeah that's a great point no yeah keep in mind in a lineup like the white Sox and in a head-to-head league Lead off double scores a run. You got three points on the board before you're even blinking, right? That's a yep, pretty good yep. start. That's a pretty great way to start your fantasy roster. Let's move on to the next round. I like this one a lot. This might be one of my favorite ones. Vlad Guerrero Jr., 49th overall versus Randy 
Arosarena. Did I get that right? Arosarena. Uh, sounds right to me. You, I you know what that I am with names, Joey. So lock it in, baby. Daniel Tice, <laughs> lock it in, Mike. Uh, Fifty-three overall. You know, Vlad Guerrero. You know, one of the most highly touted prospects that's probably come up in the minors in the past couple of seasons. Good name. Yeah, and honestly, he's been on a lot of people's fantasy teams. I think he's disappointed a lot of fantasy uh, managers out there in the world. And then Mr. Randy, the Tampa Bay kid, completely tore up 2020. I mean, this is the dude, if you want to look at the sample size of 2020, and can he make it and pull it into 2021, you're looking right at this dude right here, 53rd overall. Vlad Guerrero, who's lost a ton of weight, or or, or Randy Rosarena uh, from the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, maybe – surviving the sophomore slump and, and putting up a fourth, fifth round value. I'll just start out and say, I'm pretty low on both of these guys, <laughs> good, but good. Um, and it's mostly fade. because I do not draft on upside. I try to, you know, wait for a proven track record of at least a year, you know, one or two good years. Um, but given a choice, I, you know, I'd take Vlad just because he has more of a track record. He's played, a, a season and a half like two full seasons if you count 2020 as a full season and uh he's got more position eligibility he's younger than Rosarena, which they're both so young they're both like what 21 and 24 or something like that but yeah i mean Rosarena has played 42 games in his career and he has eight home runs and i think the splits are in his first 20 he had one home run in his last 22, he's got seven. So like Choi said earlier about small sample sizes, that's the epitome of a small sample size. Yeah, wait till some of the names that we're going to bring up on this list that are further down than the gentleman that you just mentioned right there. 53rd overall. Mike, I want to go to you. You going double fade on this? I, I have to overall tend to agree. You know, Vlad, um, oh my God, I can't even believe I'm going to make this comparison. He reminds me a lot of since departed Mitch Trubisky, right? Whereas like he's shown you flashes. He's shown you flashes at that high number two draft pick. I don't know what Vlad was actually drafted at, but you know, he was definitely, as you said, Joey, one of the top prospects in baseball, but never has in like the two seasons. And I know he's had some injuries, put it together. So I think that's infuriating when you see the flashes, but you don't see the full package put together. And just like Matt said, he's young. So he still has time. Um, in terms of Randy, I'm not even going to try to say his name because Joey, you know, I'm horrible at last names. <laughs> um, but in terms of Randy, I unfortunately, I think you're overpaying for his postseason. I mean, he was the postseason darling right last year in terms of the World Series. And so I think even though, you know, his 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 season numbers were pretty comparable, I think everyone knows that name from his World Series run. Um, and I, so to me, I think for both those guys, you can get comparable, comparable outfielders much, much, much later. You know, you kind of mentioned Jock Peterson, who's kind of going, you know, late 100s, early Way 200s, down. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it's like late 100s. I was yeah. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Right. Exactly. So I think it's one of those things where you can find comparable value much later, especially with your outfielders. So uh, both, you know, completely to, to, to Matt sentiment. I'm, I'm fading both those guys, but if I had to pick one just because of the pedigree, I would go with Vlad. It's just too early to take this kind of risk, right? If, yeah. if you're trying to build a fantasy team, that's going to win and be around for the long haul. And look, if you pass on both these guys and these guys have big years, great. So, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, you can live with that. What you can't live with is a Rosarena getting adjusted to now, you know, with once he gets his 300, 400 at bats in, you know, those 60, 70 at-bats where the league's kind of got his number a little bit. Now, the dude passes the eye test, in my opinion, 
watching him in those games. He was awesome. But again, at that point in the draft too, outfielders is such a tricky game, right? If you're going to make a move for an outfielder early on in a draft, in my opinion, you got to, as Matt, you said, you got to have cost certainty with that personally, in my opinion, because later in the draft, let's be honest, you're going to be drafting outfielders. You're not going to be taking those dudes really early on. So if you're going to be building your outfield core with either one of these guys, and I think Vlad Guerrero also maybe gets like a first base or, you know, yeah, he's got a lot of eligibility for some reason. Yeah. Which is, which is fine. But again, this is kind of a dicey role a little bit too early in the draft for me. And it kind of dovetails into our next category of these two guys. It's going to be a a North side versus South side in this one. Both of these guys are behind those two players. And in my opinion, both of these players have proved more at the major league level than the guys we just mentioned. And it's Javier Baez who, I don't know, finished top three in the MVP voting just a couple of years coming in at number 58 and Yohan Mankata coming in at number 81. I love the value on both of these. I know Javi Baez is an excruciatingly frustrating baseball player to watch at times, but still at the same time, fantasy-wise, he overcomes that more often than not, in my opinion. What say you between these two? This is 100% a Sophie's choice for me. Um, Hey, I'm going to put my cards on the table, guys. Uh, These are both guys I'm targeting, both for my shortstop and my third baseman. So let it be said. First note I have, I love both of these players. So (laughs) full disclosure, guys, those are guys that I'm... Show us the hearts and the notepad, man. That's who both those guys I'm targeting for my shortstop and third baseman. Um, You know, they both had down years last year. Bias, by all accounts, you know, uh, he fed off the crowd. So theoretically the lack of a crowd. are you reading my computer <laughs> right <that's> right a- <laughs> this is like the general consensus right and on top of that like you know he didn't have the video replay to kind of go to which he's kind of credited for his down year you know both should be back this year video will definitely be back and then the fan situation we'll see but that should be back in some permutation uh Moncada, same thing last year you know feeling the effects of covid he you know we had covid early on and by all accounts he kind of blamed a lot of his down season to like he just couldn't kick covid the kind of the the after effect of covid so they should be both back and joey just like you said like they were both mvp candidates the year prior um and so i this is this is hard i mean i i'm i'm targeting both of those guys so i like both of those guys equally especially you know for that value and for what those guys in their in 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 their upside that they've already proven to your point joey proven their upside can obtain hopefully again in this new season Javi Baez was, I think, a top 25 overall guy last year, maybe the previous year before that, and now he's all the way down to 58. It feels like a bit of a crime to me. Keep in mind, too, with Moncada, I know a lot of people like to talk about, and I think, I believe it. I'm, I'm not saying that I don't, that the COVID was a real thing, that he had a hard time recovering. I also remember, too, that not a lot of people talked about, he took a screamer of a ground ball off his shin, off his leg, I think like a week or two into the season at third base, And it also sort of seemed like he never was the same after that too, where he'd run to first base and he would have that weird little jog, that jog deceleration steps after first base, kind of walk a little bit funny back there. I think he was battling stuff uh, for most of that season. You know, is he a guy that has to be a Ferrari guy? Like, you know, the guy that has to run on all cylinders to be able to play the, the way that needs to play. We'll find out. But again, now, 81st overall for Yohan Mankata, a guy that 
I think could be a perhaps not an MVP candidate this year, but has that type of skill set, that type of tools to possibly do it. Again, it's going to go back to position, and it's uh, Mancada. Don't know if we talked about this earlier, but Manny Machado is the number two ranked third baseman, you know, according to expert consensus. And he's also eligible at shortstop, and he's the number 11 shortstop, I believe, right in front of Javi Baez. So if you don't get one of those top tier third basemen and you can get Mancada at What'd you say? 87? 81st. Oh, 81? It's like, I'm, I'm taking that all day, every day. And yeah. Hoping for an, a 80% of 2019, because if you get that, it's a steal. Well, yeah, and just to put it in perspective real quick, Fantasy Pros has Yoan Mankata as the ninth-ranked third baseman right now. We just had a conversation, what, four, five, six, seven rounds ago about Bregman versus Arenado, who were sixth and seventh. So you're telling me, you know, you get Arenado, let's just say the seventh best rated third baseman in the third round. There is a world where in the seventh or eighth round, you can get the ninth best third baseman in Yoan Mankata. And what Great you're talking point. about with positions, maybe that's where that's where the value is really coming in. Mike, hop in. Well, and also I, I have to say, you know, just from a baseball standpoint to kind of piggyback off your point, Joey, I, I do think Mankata has to be the linchpin to some degree of this offense. We have to remember that this guy was the best prospect in all of baseball he was the linchpin of that chris sale trade right who at the time was all world like i my heart was broken when we got rid of sale so to some degree like he does Did you tear he, up your t-shirts with scissors when uh... <laughs> right, right. i think we kind of discussed that right but um and on top of that especially god and again this this breaks my heart but with the elo injury he has to he has to shoulder that much more of the load so from a fantasy perspective i think one coming off of his down year and then two because you know kind of everybody on the team thinking like we have to pick up with the Eloy uh injury situation that like you know he needs to shoulder load but hopefully hopefully he doesn't put the pressure on his shoulder to have to carry the load um but yeah I, I think this guy you know and again in 2019 he put up some monster historic type stats with his war and all his kind of peripherals so again yeah th- this guy could be and should be, you know, an elite guy. And that's, that's kind of what I'm banking. So again, if you can get an elite guy in the eighties, that's pretty huge. Yeah. I love both of these values so much in terms of bias. I just think he has a bounce back. I think his runners and scoring position numbers, I think they go up a little bit more, obviously doubles and home runs, exit velocity, all that stuff. I think you're going to see that tick up a little bit more. We're going to get to an interesting over and under with him a little bit later in the pod. And in terms of Yomakata, Mike, man, Excellent point, dude, where at some point, right, with uh, with Aloy now out of the lineup, there is someone that's going to have to fit into that three, four, five. I have pretty I have high confidence that it's going to be some sort of combination of Abreu and Grandal. But who is that third piece? Right. And so if it isn't Luis Robert, because maybe he's a little bit young, maybe it is. Maybe we could possibly see by June a Yohan Mancata hitting third in a White Sox lineup scoring runs and driving in runs and maybe his value goes up even more if that's if that is eventually what it comes to but of course it's a little bit of a wait and see but that's what we're trying to find we're trying to find that great value let's take a quick break and have a brief moment to talk about our new sponsor ebay whether rare dead stock or the latest release find the exact shoe you're looking for at ebay as the original sneaker marketplace ebay is the place to cop the best pair you've been eyeing with ebay's authenticity guarantee your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box the logo the stitching and dozens of other inspection points each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee 
guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of what did I say? Authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees and sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Now back to the pod. Talking about great value. I love this next one. This one's a soup du jour. And uh, I gotta be honest, I'm probably gonna fall victim to it very hard this year. It's a it's a cub off. We got ourselves a cubby off right now. Anthony Rizzo, 78th overall. Chris Bryant, 98th overall. Two guys. One of them's an MVP winner. The other one is obviously the heart and soul of a baseball team that won a World Series in 2016. A guy that you know, for the most part, until last year, had a pretty consistent track record of putting up at least top 10 first baseman numbers in Anthony Rizzo. Now these guys are ranked in what? Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round. Chris Bryant in the ninth round. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Mike, go first, man. I I don't think we need to even decide which one's the better value, but just talk a little bit about how far these guys have fallen. You know, Rizzo has kind of gotten to the point where we've taken him for granted. He's almost become the Jose Jose Abreu Abreu. of Chicago, (laughs) right? I mean, this guy is a lock for 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, and a 280-plus average every year pretty much. Right? Ooh, I got him, I got him slightly under those numbers. But, <laughs> but, right, but overall, right, right there, like right that's there. kind of that that's kind of the, the, the baseline. But I was, that going, we, I was going bare minimum, like the worst <laughs> he could give you. So, but, but yeah, so it's kind of like we've kind of started taking for granted, and especially at 95 or, or whatever he's going at currently, that, that's huge numbers. In terms of Chris Bryant, I mean, can we talk about a guy hitting rock bottom? Can we talk about a guy who was rookie of the year, then MVP of the year after? Now, like, you know, I think his barrel rate has fallen down while his, like, uh, K rate has risen and his walk rate has decreased. I mean, you know, he had his, again, last year's kind of goofy in terms of, like, looking at the stats. But, you know, comparatively speaking, he had his worst year ever. Um, so when you and talk just real about quick, I do just real quick with Chris Bryan in that you said last year was weird, but dude, like the last three seasons have been like yeah. that for him. Right. I yeah. mean, I, I want to say in 18, he had a really solid year. I think he had 280 something, you know, he drove in 80 plus runs, which was kind of an uptick for him run production wise. But last year was not necessarily a microcosm. This stuff has been happening to him. These nagging injuries, the, the sore knee from batting practice, right? The wrist, yeah. the shoulder. I mean, Ever since he got beaned in the head, I mean, it's just been kind of one thing after another with him. I want to think that that's amazing value at 98. I want to pounce on that. He could be a top 30 value in the ninth round. Yeah. That's amazing, but I I don't know what to expect. But to your point, I mean, his track record every year has gotten a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. So I'm I'm definitely fading Chris Bryant. Um, You know, unfortunately, it just might be a case where he needs to change the scenery and Chicago's not it. I always remember that when he got drafted and we were watching those long home runs go over the fence, all the scouting reports, they would do player comps, right? And next to the player comp for Chris Bryant, you guys remember who it was by, off the top real quick? Mm-mm, mm-mm, it, was nope. Troy, it was Troy Gloss. Mm. When I first heard that, I went, Troy Gloss, you're telling me that our prized prospect coming up right now is going to be Troy Gloss? Like, that's not so great. I mean, he was a good slugger. I get it. Okay, cool. But I don't understand Troy Gloss. That doesn't make any sense to me. And strangely, oddly, Chris Bryant's career has gone the way of Troy Gloss. Amazing first power-heavy years, the first two or three. Steep decline, OPS going down, OPS going down slowly. I'm not saying that he's the big hulking guy like Troy Gloss, but just 
offensive production wise, it's kind of gone that way. Honestly, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I think it's a lot of health issues. Uh, I think, let's see, let me look at his stats real quick. In 2019, played 147 games, hit 31 homers, batted 282. Granted, only 77 RBIs, but you can't really say that's his fault. He also scored scored 108 runs. And the two years around that, he's played, you know, around half of a season. So I, 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 I hope that there's still hope for him to stay healthy and actually be a really productive player. I, I, I'm not selling so fast. I'm not selling on my Brian stock as quick as you guys, I guess. Yeah. And to follow basically what I think what we're all saying is if he's on the board in the ninth round, we're taking that, we're picking that ass up. You know what I'm saying? But like, I, I, I think it's more of, it's more uncertain and more murky than it probably ever has been than in years past. Let's oh, and the- give and given the two, I'm taking Rizzo in terms of value all day over Bryant. I'm just saying I'm not selling all of my all of my Chris Bryant stock yet. Well, and that and that's maybe one of the moves, right? As we were talking about, you know, shortstop is really deep, third base. Maybe you're making a move at outfield. Maybe you've spent a lot of time on starting pitching and you go, Oh shit, I'm round four, five, six. I don't really have that first baseman yet. You can maybe hang around a little bit and get a guy like Anthony Rizzo. And now all of a sudden, all that work that you did building in other areas really comes to fruition because a guy like Anthony Rizzo, who I think is going to have a bounce back. And when I say bounce back, I'm thinking 280. I'm thinking 28 to 30 home runs. I'm thinking 90 RBIs. I'm thinking low they strikeouts. Just need to outlaw the, they just need to outlaw the switch and he's back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Seriously, Mike, hop in. I was just going to say the double whammy that you have to be really careful of, though, when you draft a Chicago player and they don't perform. Invariably, this is just this is just how fantasy sports work, right? You hate the guys that don't perform for you fantasy wise. So, in the case of like Chris Bryant, you know, the double whammy is if you draft Chris Bryant as a Chicago guy and he doesn't perform, you're invariably going to hate him that much more because just as fantasy sports goes, you hate the guys that don't perform for you on your fantasy team. So you have to keep that in mind as a Chicago guy drafting a Chicago guy in the case of Chris Bryant, where he may not perform, you know, what you, what you expect him to perform at least based on years previous. Yeah. I think we call that in my household, the Kyle Schwarber complex. Um, <laughs> the last couple of years, I've always thought I was so smart taking Schwarby in those later rounds to fill out my outfield. And then, you know, after a couple of weeks, you're like, Oh man, this guy isn't really doing shit. He's kind of hitting 189 right now. Don't know how I'm going to feel about that. We're getting deep into this draft now. There's some buy low candidates. These are some guys on the rise a little bit. This is actually one of my favorites coming up. And when I first brought up the, the rankings, I was using a different website. They're actually a lot closer to each other on Fantasy Pros. They're a lot farther away from each other. But I, maybe this gets a little bit more into philosophy more than anything else. Kyle Hendricks, number uh, 79th overall. Against Sixto Sanchez on the Miami Marlins, 133 overall. Just talk about these two values and are these two guys that you're going to possibly be targeting and do you like these two guys going in the draft? Well, again, I'm going to give away a little bit of my trade secrets, guys, but I'm definitely targeting Hendricks. Um, This guy's proven it year after year after year. You know, I don't care about his low strikeout rate. I mean, overall I do, but in his case, no, because he gives you so many innings and you do get points for innings. So he definitely overcomes the low K rate with his innings. In terms of Sanchez, I know he's super hyped, but it's like that thing where like, He's only pitched one season and in a shortened season at that. So a lot of his promise is based on hype. So, you know, when you're coming to kind of fill out the back end of your rotation, your fantasy rotation, 
situation with those guys. I'm going to go with the proven commodity who can, you know, he, he's the opening day starter for the Cubs. So I'm going to go with the guy who's going to be in the rotation for the entire season, who for good or bad is going to pitch me six plus innings every game and get those points from that standpoint. And then, you know, uh, hopefully the other peripherals, you know, come true, but it's, it's the thing where like, yeah, I, I will always lean towards that track record versus hype every time. Yeah. There's a bit of a philosophical thing going on here, right? Where I'm with you with Hendricks. I love having Hendricks on my fancy team because as you mentioned, low K's guess what also is low based on balls. So it more or less sort of cancels itself out. So if you're racking up innings, if you're picking up wins with him, he does keep the hits moderately kind of at bay for the most part. He turns into actually a really, you know, profitable, you know, an asset that you want to have on your fantasy team versus Sixto Sanchez, which I think you're looking at, you're looking at high K rate, you know, you're looking at, you know, maybe a guy that only makes it five innings, but can still get you 15 to 20 points in a head to head category. Sixto is having a great spring. I think over like three innings, he's got, you know, I don't know. We'll just say seven strikeouts with a one, one ERA. I'm just making numbers up. I know he has a one, one ERA, <laughs> but he's also not projected to make the opening day roster. So we have an opening day starter versus someone who may not be on the opening day roster um so i'm definitely going to go with hendrix i'm not much of an analytics guy but i know that you know half a strikeout over 180 innings is 90 and 90 or one strikeout over 90 innings is 90 so if you're going to get way more innings lower or you know it's just consistency versus upside and i'm going with hendrix all day yeah and as we've been talking about the guys that go 0 for 4 for a week that kind of like can sink your team from a week to week basis. Kyle Hendricks is probably one of the guys that you can count on to at least give you the same stuff every single time as you move forward. I do like the Sixto Sanchez value with the whole rotation thing. I, I, I read about that. I'm really curious to see what they do there. I don't understand why he wouldn't start off with them. My only knock on Hendricks is probably, I think his value's actually gone up this year. I think his ranking has probably risen a little bit. Yeah. Where in years past, I can just wait, wait wait and wait a little bit more guess what kyle hendricks will still be there and i can still go out and pick him up so it'll be interesting to see how that sort of shakes itself out and in leagues all across the all across the board let's just do one more here and then we're going to get into some over unders i want to get some of your guys favorite picks for the year uh ian happ at number 143 versus the baltimore orioles ryan mountcastle 160 148 excuse me so 143 versus 148 ryan mountcastle what a fucking name I mean, first of all, let's just let's just start right there. This is the guy. There's always one guy, right? Every single year that you haven't really heard of that maybe got that cup of coffee on the team that you don't really watch that you look on the board. He's at a certain number and then you pull up his name and they've got a projection on board. And it's like they're projecting 32 home runs and 85 RBIs for a guy that you've never, ever heard of before. You know, a guy like Mitch Haniger, for like, in my opinion, on Seattle has always been a guy that kind of fits that mold of a dude that you haven't heard of before, but he's going to get a ton of at bats in the middle of a lineup on a team that's bad and ends up putting up numbers versus Ian Happ, a guy who had a good year last year, kind of fell off the map in the final month. Can he put a full season together? He's going to get a full, you know, healthy slate of 500 at bats this year. Don't have to worry about that. Ian Happ, 143 versus Ryan Mountcastle, 148. They're right next to each other, so you probably would have to pick one. Which one are you doing? Given the choice, I'm going Happ every time. You know, Happ 
his rookie year, you know, he had a breakout year. Everybody was super high on him the next year. And I don't think he's ever, like you said, consistently gotten his 500 at-bats. Like, last year he played consistently, struggled down the stretch. But before that, I, th- I think he had 10 home runs last year. Bunch of good stats. I think Hap might be due for a breakout year. One of the players I've definitely been targeting everywhere and I think could steal your draft. And, I mean, Mountcastle, again, it's just one of those guys, too small of a sample size for me. 35 games in his career. Career batting average is 333. Is he going to bat 333 throughout his career? Seems highly unlikely. Otherwise, I'll see him in the Hall of Fame, which would be great. But, you know, um, it's a journey into like the midst of hubris, right? Of like, I was there when I drafted Ryan Mountcastle when no one else would. It was me. (laughs) I was the smart one that did it. Well, also, that could be something that completely sinks your season. And then, no, you would never talk about that fantasy season. Hey, what happened this year? Oh, I drafted Ryan Mountcastle. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's one of those either-ors. And you're bringing I think up... They're really- both, I think they're both pretty good values, but, I yeah, I just... If I'm choosing one of the two, I'm taking Hap. Yeah, that's why they're that's why it's on the list. I think they both have really interesting upside. You're bringing up a really good point about Ian Hap, where I think a lot of Cubs fans are upset that they didn't see the team add on to the roster. There's a lot of financial you know, trimming that they did early on. And then they ended up tacking it back on. That's a discussion for another time, but everyone's like, well, we didn't add anything. Well, what if Ian Happ for 162 game season, what if that is a significant addition to a Cubs offense? And at 143 overall, we're talking about dudes. Now, if you're playing this right, we're talking about guys that are probably sifting around for some sort of, you know, their second closer or maybe, you know, another starting rotation guy or maybe catchers are starting to fly off the board. Ian Happ could be a guy that can get you 25 home runs pretty easy late round. Mike? Uh, technically speaking, Mountcastle hit 341 last year. So unless he is the second coming of Tony Gwynn, that batting average is unsustainable. Now, with that being said, he does You mean it's going to go up? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he does hit in Camden Yards, which is a notoriously hitter-friendly ballpark. So obviously that helps him. In terms of Hap, one, he's batting leadoff or projected a bat leadoff. So again, you're getting the quantity of at-bats with him. And two, I finally like that the Cubs are really kind of leaning towards him. You know, he's gotten his chain yanks so often these last couple of years with the Cubs where he's not really given that full season of proven stuff. You know, he's being sent down in the minors, called back up, sent down in the minors. And so at this point, I think they are, you know, he had kind of that mini breakout last year, and I think they are committing to having him be a full-time player. So unless he really shits the bed in any portion of the season, to have a full year under your belt with that confidence of your manager and your organization behind you, I think that's huge. And the other part of his game, which they haven't really utilized, he was a stolen bases guy in the minors, and they haven't really... He's widely known as like the fastest guy in the team yeah, it's been under lock and key the whole time. Right. And so the trend overall in baseball is to kind of fade away from stolen bases. But if they could really kind of bring that game out of him again, once again, in fantasy baseball, stolen bases are so valuable. So if he can get you 20 ish stolen bases plus, I mean, that only adds to his value that late. We're going to rip through just a quick little lightning round right now. Some over-unders with some Cubs and White Sox players. So I'm just going to go to you guys. I'm going to rip off these numbers and you just tell me over-under for the season. Kind of put our mark on some things and maybe we can look back and see whether we are right or not. Uh, First one's going to be Dallas Keuchel. 
Dallas Keuchel, 10 and a half wins right now is minus 115 on betonline.ag over under. I did a draft last night and I was shocked how late Dallas Keuchel went. I'm crazy. almost I'm almost mad at myself that I didn't realize he was still on the board and didn't get him. So I love the White Sox this year. Let's go over. Listen, we're a World Series contending team. So if those guys at the top of the rotation in Giolito, Keuchel, and Lynn don't get at least... 12 plus wins each we've something horribly wrong has gone with the White Sox this season. So way over, way over that. Yeah. That's a layup to me. I mean, I would run to, I would run to the bank with that one. I mean, 10.5 wins. I mean, the dude should just walk into it. Even if he has a bad year, he could still go 11 and 12 and still hit the over on that. That's an easy over for me. Jose Abreu over under 33 home runs over under 109.5 RBIs for the season. Over, under, I'm going under on the home runs, over on the RBIs. Mike, what say you? I'm going to go over on both because according to uh, Jose Abreu's pace last year, he should be hitting or having 152 RBIs minimum this year, right? So, and I would think a good portion of that would then come from Homer. So over on both. League leader in RBIs again, three years in a row. Repeating the MVP. Let's take the over in both. Uh, another slam dunk. Uh, over under Tim Anderson, 288 batting average. Are we in any disagreement that that is going to be anything but a wild over? Wow, that is disrespectful. That's pretty disrespectful, right? The one that I did find interesting interesting was he had 22, 22 home runs also was his over under for the season. I think that's a pretty, that's a Vegas number, right? I would probably stay away from that because he could still have an amazing season and not hit 22 home runs. Mike, hop in. Well, the thing that's weird about that is, right, we're, we're talking about Vegas. They're plus, at least in the last time I looked, they're plus 100 to win the World Series, was, which puts in about the six bets odds. So these the, the over-unders in terms of the individual stats don't line up to what the expectations are as a team. So, yeah, again, that, that, that Tim Anderson, you know, over-under at 280 seems really low for Anderson. Matt, I got a fun one for you. Over-under, Yon Moncada, 254. Is his over under 23 home runs, 76.5 RBIs. What are you taking on that? All right. So I did, I did see besides Moncada's 315 in 2019, he's never batted above 235. Everything I've seen from the guy screams that he's a 280 hitter. So I'm taking the over 254. Easy, easy on that one. And then obviously the home runs and RBIs, I would probably stay away from probably just based on health alone. Lucas Giolito and Luis Robert. Now, if you could look at MVP odds, Luis Robert, I think is third or fourth in the AL in terms of MVP odds. He's like eight to one. If you go with Giolito, he's also in like the top three too as well. He's like seven to eight to one. But the over-unders as of right now, Lucas Giolito, 12.5 wins. And then Luis Robert, 29 home runs, 83.5 RBIs. So what am I missing on this? Matt, you're going to hop in here first. Am I missing something where... The value for the MVP seems to have not a great payoff, but these over-unders as they are right now seem to be slam dunks if you believe that they're going to be these types of players. Well, is it MVP or Cy Young? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Lucas Chialitos was second or third for Cy Young. Yeah, I don't understand that. That makes no sense. I don't understand these bookies. Sorry, I'm so confused. that. Yeah, no, but that's the thing, thing, right, is like if Chialitos' odds are going to be that high, for, to put him in the it, running for Cy Young, why are you going to put half wins? Yeah, so why are you going to put the number at twelve point five? Wouldn't you have it more fourteen point five? That feels like another layup. Yeah, just like just like Troy just said, he's like, if you project this team to win this many games, how are all these individual performances going to be so bad? So, 
hammer the over on everything the White Sox. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, I got another fun one for you. Um, we're going to switch over to the Cubs now. Jake Arrieta, 8.5 wins, Mike. Minus 115. You buy it? Wow. Wow. That is really close. You know, uh, you know, God love Jake Arrieta for helping bring a World Series to the Cubs. But, man, his... He's been a shell of himself these last couple of years. So I, I'm unfortunately going to have to say under, but by, by, by the bare minimum under that. Yeah. I would say if you believe that he's going to make 30 starts this year, that's an over for me, but that depends on whether you think that he's going to make those 30 starts. In my opinion, Matt, Ian Happ, 28.5 home runs over under 28.5. It's a high that's number. A, that's a that's lot huge. of home runs. It's a tough I'm number. Take, I'm going to take the under, even though I said I'm buying a bunch of shares of Ian Hap, Uh That's too high. Mike, I'm going to hit you with this one. What's your favorite value? I'm going to give you three of them. What's your favorite value out of this? Javi Baez over under 259 batting average. Chris Bryant over under 261 batting average. Or Zach Davies over under wins 9.5. What's my favorite out of all those? Wow. You know, unfortunately, we're going to go with the trend of Chris Bryant. They're all good. They're all good. I'm going to go. I think I think the Bryant uh, under that average is pretty, pretty much a lot because he's again, he's just every year. Unfortunately, he's gotten worse and worse. Oh, so you're going to go under on Chris Bryant at 261. Yeah, as being and then being the best of the three too. I would, I would, I would, I would wow. put money on that. I would put Ooh, money on that. That's interesting. Uh, Matt, weigh in on this because I think the slam dunk is Zach Davies nine point five wins. I think that's, uh, I think I think it's Baez over. Would you oh. say two two fifty nine? Two fifty nine over under batting average. He hasn't done that in five years, not counting twenty twenty. So seems pretty doable, right? And then the final one, uh, Jacques Peterson twenty nine point five home runs. Over under. That's an over. That is an over. I mean, that all this guy does is hit home runs, right? He's he's our Pedro Serrano of the Cubs. And and the fact that he's gonna get a full season finally when he's kind of been in a kind of platoon situation for the Dodgers, I I, I think that's over. In Wrigley, full time over. Gentlemen, we're gonna get to two final topics here. Two final topics. One's gonna be broader MLB, and then the other one's gonna be with our Chicago Cubs or Chicago White Sox. The first one is let's just do wild prediction time. Now this can fit into any category. If you want to pick, you know, your most overrated player in the upcoming fantasy draft, your favorite late round flyer, the gem, the guy that you keep looking at right now. Give us one wild prediction for the general MLB landscape with one player that you like, dislike. Who's going to surprise? Who's going to disappoint in 2021? I'm going to go with my huge disappointment in the NL being Cody Bellinger. Um, I think he's going to have a really crappy year only because he's he's got shoulder issues. He's got shoulder issues extending from the World Series. So, uh, you know, a power guy with shoulder issues, I, I, I'm i not buying on that. I am definitely not buying on that. Another guy that I really love, I really love, given that he stays healthy, once again, everything is always based on health, con- health concerns, is Otani on the Angels. So another L.A. team. I think in a league where you get both position and pitcher eligibility from a guy like Otani, and by all accounts, he's been having, you know, an amazing spring. He's throwing from a pitching standpoint back in the 90s again. And, uh, you know, Madden had, you know, the one thing that has always been like he's kind of had that 
engine governor uh, kind of restricting his playing time. But by all accounts, Madden has said that as long as Otani's healthy, he's going to be batting when he's pitching. He's going to be batting on off days. He's going to be pitching in the rotation. I don't know if they're doing a six-man rotation or not. I don't know if that's been decided. But if you can get what Otani is, both as a pitcher and as a player, that's a two-for-one that you got to take all the time. And right now, I think he's in the hundreds getting drafted. So that's extreme value as well. Yeah, he put on the muscle. Let's see if he can take some more balls out of the yard and become more consistent offensive force. I think that's probably the best way to look at him from a fantasy perspective. And whatever happens with the pitching is probably just gravy at that point. I already said it when we were talking about Abreu. He's going to repeat as MVP, lead the league league in RBIs again. The White Sox are going to win 98 games. Good call. I was thinking I was kind of putting a number around 97 in my head. In terms of the Major League Baseball, I just want everyone to just hear me out for a second. There are two guys here, especially if you go to Fantasy Pros. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. They got Ozzie Albies, 32 overall, and Kyle Tucker, 33 overall. Don't do it, okay? <laughs> Raphael Devers. Raphael Devers. Yeah. Uh, just just don't do it. Kyle Tucker, 33rd overall, playing his final, like finally getting the full-time job in a shortened season and producing he's going to do that for a full 162 let me tell you astros fans will understand this they've been talking about kyle tucker for the last like four or five years cubs fans will know he's like their felix pa for white Sox fans he's like their jeff (laughs) abbott he's like the guy who's like once he gets here once he gets him at bats just you wait and now this small little sample size comes out and he produces and all of a sudden he's the 33rd overall player going off on a fantasy draft that is a run and hide stay away and Ozzy Albies, I like the dude, but he was hurt a whole lot last year. You're banking on a whole bunch there for that to come back. I would rather wait for Dansby Swanson for crying out loud at that point. Can, I add, can, I, add, can I add Bo Bichette and uh, Mondesi to that list? Or? It's, oh, it's Drupal Mondesi, please. Goes on every <laughs> yeah. single list. Uh, that's another one. If you're drafting for the first time, it's Drupal Mondesi is not your friend. You'll see the stolen bases and you'll be like, oh, well, I need stolen bases. Okay, maybe you do in a Roto League, but in this particular case, if you're doing a head-to-head, which you probably are if it's your first time, you're going to step off that ledge, my friend. Do not do that. Just step back. I got. I will understand. You know what I'm saying? Third eye blind. Shout out to my wife. Uh, final final <laughs> topic here. Uh, Matt, you're going to go first, man. Uh, you already nailed it with the – you already did Jose Abreu, but I want you to give me one more. We're going to go White Sox or Cubs. I want you to just give me one more. Give me one more prediction. Put your name on something for one of those two teams about what something you think is going to happen with one of their players this year. Let's say Nick Madrigal steals 30 bases. Ooh, that's great. Wow. <laughs> so you got him going like 280, 290 and stealing 30, huh? I don't know if I believe it, but you said bold. So yeah, no, get wild, man. And Take the upside of Nick Madrigal. That's, that's the whole point, dude. When you're right, you look like a genius. Ryan Mountcastle. <laughs> hashtag. Well, I don't hate the Madrigal uh, prediction because, you know, this guy has a 3% strikeout rate. So that means he's going to be on base a lot to get those stolen base opportunities, Matt. So I totally buy that. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a huge one, Joey. Garrett Crochet is going to end this season as the White Sox ace. Now I'm probably I'm I'm probably a year too early on that. I'm probably no. a year too early My on that. My mind exploded. Yeah. We've had this conversation. Yeah. We had this conversation last year yeah. and and he's, I love that you're that you're putting the pedal to the metal on yeah, your belief. Yeah, he's obviously projected to be in the bullpen. What well, he is. He's going to be coming out of the bullpen this year, but I have got a feeling, you know, Cream always rises to the top and just like Chris Sale, uh, he's going to be our ace and I think it'll happen sooner than later, although I'm probably a season off. And, and real quick in this fantasy when you say ace like 
he's starting game one of a round one series of a playoff yes. game, that type of thing. Yes. Like a, Jose, is- like a Jose Contreras. We all know Burley's yep. the ace, but Jose Contreras yep. is pitching so damn good. He yep. has to pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not an indictment on Giolito. This is more of an assessment of what I think, you know, Crochet can be as the second coming of Chris Sale. Uh, here's a couple of Cubs ones for you. I think Craig Kimbrell is going to lead the league in save opportunities. Not not save opportunities, saves this oh, year. Save opportunities uh, I, was I, a great way to hedge. Yeah. That was a perfect way to hedge your bet there. Yeah, a little Freudian you're, slip. You're damn right to love opportunities, but will he get those saves? And, I mean, and you know, Cubs fan to lead the league in heart attacks or near heart attacks. And you know, we've had heated arguments about this, Joey, but I'm going to go with form a recently departed Cub. I think you, Darvish is going to win the Cy Young in the NL pitching for the Padres this year. So I think we'll finally get to see what he can do with some huge run support, which he should supposedly get in San Diego this year. It's funny. I was looking that up too, because we did this last year and my big one that I was clinging to, and I still remember was that I said, I like you Darvish for Cy Young last year. I believe he was plus 900 at the time, nine to one. I think this year he's plus 800. So his odds really haven't changed And yet somehow, you know, from a fantasy perspective, his ranking is skyrocketed. I think we can all agree that his career is completely on track right now. So if the odds are the exact same and he's gotten better, there is a world where maybe, you know, that can come to fruition. You know, I don't know if you like the eight to one, nine to one. I don't know if that's the type of number that you like, but, you know, that's maybe, uh, you know, that's up to you as a, as a decision maker. I do like Zach Davies a lot. I, I could see Zach Davies winning about 13, 14 games, but that's not very wild. I think Anthony Rizzo has one of his best years as a cup on, on the, on the North side. I, I just think that he gets on a, in a good place. He gets into a groove. I don't know what's going to happen to the team. I think the team can be really good, but I'm saying, you know, Anthony Rizzo over 32 home, uh, 32 home runs this year, you know, over 90, 95 RBIs, 290. And then he signs himself a nice, you know, little four or five year deal. On the other side, on the south side, this is my favorite one. And you'll see it in different places. It's 28 to 1 and 33 to 1. Tim Anderson for MVP, man. At 28 to 1, 33 to 1. And you're telling me if we believe that the White Sox are going to go out there and they're going to win 97, 98 games, and let's just say they exceed our expectations and they win more. Let's say they're the darling of the American League. And let's say Tim Anderson does everything that we think that he's going to do, hit 320-ish, be the leadoff hitter, have the bat flips when the socks are going good. He's on the cover of sports illustrated. Everyone's talking about him. He's leading the charge. He scores over a hundred runs at 28 to one at 33 to one at betonline.ag for Tim Anderson and MVP. I just think that that's worth, you know, throwing a couple of dollars on and seeing what happens. We'll see how close I get towards the end of the year, but that's why we throw predictions out. Matt hop in. I think he finished like third in MLB or MVP voting last year. So I can't imagine many people finish third in voting and then are 29 and dropped, you know, their odds are 40 to one to win the MVP. Well, the guys split votes. That's the question, right? Do they split and votes on yeah, all the guys? Yeah, that's oh, also. He's a little, he was a little lower. He's seventh in MVP voting, but still, that's that's a good call about splitting votes. So. Well, and and again, it would it would have to be a, a confluence of a lot of other outside elements. His stat sheet alone, I don't think would necessarily just get him there, right? I think it would have to be a lot of other factors of them winning, him being the face of it, them being all you know World Series hopefuls to world series contenders, all that stuff. And then, you know, that that's kind of how Chris Bryant won the MVP in 2016. Right. I don't know if his numbers were better than say, like, I think it was Bryce Harper that year was another guy going for it, 
but it was all the other stuff of him leading the charge during that time that helped him get it. And that's what it would take from a Tim Anderson perspective, in my opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, our second annual baseball fantasy pod has come to a conclusion. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag and eBay. Make sure you head to BetOnline.ag for all these awesome MLB future odds. There's still plenty of time to get in on the mad action. And also, don't forget about the Final Four coming up at the end of this week. Also, stick around for a quick little epilogue, perhaps at the end of this pod, where we're going to go over our pod selections that we're going to have coming on Saturday while this pod comes out on Monday. Until then, Matt Haley, Mike Choi, you guys, thank you so much for joining me once again. Thank you for bringing the knowledge. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. Hope you listen to more coming up in the future because we've got a ton of baseball content coming out this week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.